Hello, welcome to the No Relation NFL podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, how you doing? I am great. How are you? Good, good. We're almost there. This is our last preseason podcast. Um, lots of quarterback talk, and that was the plan before the really alarming news that's happened out of Minneapolis about 30 minutes before we're taping here. We don't know a lot about what's happening as far as news. Um, our steam producer, Jamie Eisner, will come in if during the show if there's any breaking news on that and let us know so we can further talk about it. But Teddy Bridgewater went down today, very scary-sounding injury, very ominous, um, non-contact drill. Looks like it's a knee injury. Practice was canceled after 25 minutes by... Coach Mike Zimmer, I've never seen that happen. I, I saw a tweet by Jeff Schwartz, the longtime offensive lineman. He said he's never seen a practice canceled after an injury. Um, ambulance comes, picks him up, takes him immediately. There's all kinds of speculation about you know how bad a knee injury could be, but it's just awful news of what we know, right, Matt? Absolutely. And, and the one question I want to ask you, and just sort of something you mentioned right there, is – What's your take on the fact that they stopped practice? You know, you've been in a lot more practices than I have, you know, especially lately, um, you know, from a media perspective. I mean, is that a terrible sign to you? I mean, of course we're totally speculating here, but, boy, that sounds strange. Yeah, I mean, it's awful. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, really no other way sticks around out with, I mean, that's, a, that's a bad sign. It is, and if I, I'm only speculating, I, I just think it's because everybody was so mentally screwed up, you know, it's starting with the coaching staff, and, it, and yeah, they just man. needed to take a break, you know. But, I mean, you know, you know how important and precious practice time is to NFL coaches, and to stop oh, it. question, and, you know, for them to stop it, I mean, I remember at Pitt, we, we almost didn't cancel practice on 9-11. You know, like they don't practice, they don't cancel practice no matter what. And yeah, you know, I mean, obviously it's huge news. I mean, any starting quarterback that goes down is massive, massive news, and you hate to see it. And you hate that you know the little we know. Maybe by the time the people that are listening to this uh, actually you know have it in their earbuds, we'll have great news, and it was just a scare, and they'll be fine for week one. Who knows? But the way it sounds right now. You know, on Tuesday late afternoon, it does not sound good at all. And, and the ambulance part is alarming too, because I mean, it, it, it doesn't look like it was a you know he wasn't paralyzed, it wasn't you know anything life threatening. So why is the ambulance coming for a knee? It just must be something potentially. And I hate to speculate, but it's just a frightening thing. And all the twit. I mean, it was just so dramatic. I just you just don't see that happening. You know. Ambulance is coming for and and me and and just who knows. Um, he, I mean, the Vikings have great expectations this year, and, and this would be just, you know, I, I hate to talk to, about football before we know anything, but this is a football show, and Teddy Bridgewater is a football player, and this will affect their football season. So, I mean, this would be a, a just a huge blow to the Vikings this year, wouldn't it? Of course, and yeah. You know, the football side, just real quick, of course you feel for the young man because I haven't been a huge proponent of his. I I kind of looked at him as somewhat of an Alex Smith caretaker, 
lesser arm, not physically overwhelming, not put the you know put the def- or the offense on your shoulders type of quarterback, more of a quote game manager. And trust me, a lot of teams would kill for that. You know that that doesn't mean he's not an effective player or doesn't have any value. But I will say, contrary to what I had thought going in. He's looked very, very good in the preseason, too. It looks like he's come a long way, and he's always been known as a hard worker, and I think he's very popular with his teammates. So you could see why that would really shake the team up. From a football perspective, yes, it's a big deal. And when I'm looking at the NFC, I've already kind of put the Vikings directly behind the Packers, the Panthers, Seattle, and Arizona. And I think they're a team on the rise, but they're a little short of those teams. And the biggest reason for me was they just don't, they're not as strong at the quarterback position. And that was including when Teddy was there. But they're also designed to win with, without Aaron Rodgers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They've enhanced their offensive line. They have Adrian Peterson. He's going to get a ton of carries. That I think that defense will be one of the best in the league, led by a very defensive-minded head coach who knows a lot, and they've invested a lot of high picks there, and looks like they're hitting on those guys. So I don't think that all of a sudden that this team will not be competitive. I didn't think from day one that they were a true Super Bowl contender, but were sort of close, and now i got to knock them down at least a peg from that. Yeah, I, I like this team going into the season, so this is a this is a big hit. This is definitely um we'll be talking about that more like later if we get any information. Um doesn't it kinda of feel like this again, is a team that everyone's sort of been talking about all off season that could be the make could make the jump type of team. Mhm. Definitely, definitely. I think we've got, we've got a lot more quarterback talks coming. Um I, I wanna get to some news still uh still from yesterday. Joey Boza contract situation over finally, good for him, good for the for the Chargers. It, it was very stupid, in my opinion. Just rookie holdouts after the 2011 CBA is just completely unnecessary. It lasted 31 days. Here's the question: This is the only thing that matters right now. How quickly can he can come in and contribute and, and can tell that a Joey Bosa caliber player is on the field? Can he do that week one? Sort of. You know, I mean, I think that. He is a football junkie. I mean, his dad was a first-round pick. His, I think his brother just went, just enrolled at Ohio State. I mean, he's pretty much ate, drank, and slept football his whole life. He's a junkie. I mean, he, he knows the game very well. I think mentally he'll adapt quicker than Joe Average first-round pick defensive end. Not to mention mm-hmm. that's not the most difficult position in the world to learn. However, I think you know when they drafted him, they're a three-four team. Although we know that nickel is really the new base defense. Um, when they drafted him, I thought it was curious because I think he's about a pure four-three defensive end as you're going to find in their three-four team. But so I think that they liked you know that he's good against the run, he's good against the pass. But I also think they're looking at him like we want to put a lot on his plate in terms of scheme alignment, put him all over the formation. And I think those things will have to take a lot of time. That's not going to happen right away. But that first month, you know, I mean, you could still line them up outside the tackle and say, go rush the passer. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 what he does. That's his job is go get the passer. And that, and that doesn't change. Right. I mean, so right. you would think immediately 
And obviously he's never played against full-grown men or NFL offensive tackles. And he might, you know, be in a little bit of culture shock of, boy, what worked in Ohio State or what worked against University of Indiana doesn't work here. But, I mean, at least I think he's on the field immediately rushing the passer. So you're not from the school that says his rookie year is shot? No, no, not at all. Uh, At least in 20 snaps a game, pure passing situations, I think he'll be out there. Right, right. I mean, you know, I, the long holdout I covered was Bryant McKinney in 2002, number seven overall pick. I think he came, like, right after Halloween, and he was starting at left tackle, a very difficult position, like a week after, and he was fine. So it, yeah. it's it, it's possible. And one thing about what I remember about McKinney, though, was he was an utter freak, <laughs> you know what I mean, in terms of gifts. You know, the questions on him were desire. And not that Bosa isn't gifted, but he's not, you know, the most gifted guy that's entered the league in a long time. Right, right. Interesting. Other big news yesterday was Trevor Simeon being named the week one starter for the Denver Broncos, this defending Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos. Um, I know we've talked a lot about him on previous No Relation NFL podcasts with Matt and Bill Williamson. I know you're not a huge fan of him, but we talked yesterday, and you think this can work until he, you know, this is Paxton Lynch's team, Paxton Lynch's team, obviously, and it's probably sooner than a lot of people think, but you think the Broncos can survive with Simeon for the time being? Yeah, I mean, to me, this is a really easy situation to decipher, is not that we love Simeon, it's we don't trust Sanchez, and... Right. We're going to win games, low-scoring tight games. We're not going to blow anybody out by 20. I mean, that's just not going to happen with this offense or with this quarterback situation. We know we have the defense. We know our formula. We won the Super Bowl with that formula. But we can't have Sanchez butt-fumbling all over the field. <laughs> I mean, you can't right. have him imploding, especially in key situations, which seems like a very much a trend with him. Um, so the knock on Simeon is, well, he's too cautious. And, okay, I mean, I think they can live with that. If that's, the, if that's the knock on a pure placeholder quarterback, which I think you have to look at him as, that he's too cautious, well, okay, if you're going to throw it away on third and eight instead of try to drive it into tight coverage, we'll live with that because our running game, and especially our defense, should keep our head above water. Right. I mean, you know, we, we talked about this yesterday. The blueprint – to how the Broncos, the Broncos dominated the Super Bowl. They dominated that game. From I think it was from early second quarter on, you just had the feel that the Broncos are the better team that day. Yeah, That's the blueprint for Simeon, isn't it? Play great defense, run the ball when you can, and pass when, when you have to. Manny threw the ball 23 times in the Super Bowl. It wasn't like you know they had a pass-heavy game plan in that game. 100% agree. The only note that I would add, and, you know, I'm sure there's people out there saying, well, they went to the Super Bowl last year with Peyton Manning turning the ball over like crazy anyways. You know, why not put, you know, what's the difference between him and Sanchez? And that's true, but he didn't do it down the stretch. You know, after he came back and replaced Osweiler, his turnovers went way down. And the thing that Manning still always had that Simeon obviously will not right now is coming to the line of scrimmage, diagnosing the defense, calling an audible, and getting his team in the right position. You know, into the right place. Right. 
But, I mean, can, can this guy – I mean, this guy is basically a rookie. He hasn't thrown a pass in the NFL. I mean, can he – got to be really smart to, to game manage, and you have to have some decent, you know, experience at it. I mean, can, can this work? Sort of. I mean, I still think they're well behind the Steelers and Patriots in the conference. I, I'd be really shocked if they were a Super Bowl contender again. I think that formula in today's NFL is really hard to pull off, especially two years in a row. I mean, is the defense going to still remain as elite? I have a hard time believing they'll be as good. They'll still be great, but are they going to be as good? Um, and he's going to screw some things up. I mean, as Greg Cosell says, it's third and eight eventually. You know, <laughs> I mean, sometimes right. the quarterback has to make a play. And, right. you know, I just don't think he'll make many of them. But he came out of Northwestern, a very good school. He's a smart guy. He's a hard worker. He spent a year with Manning. He spent two years with Kubiak in the offense. Those are all pluses. They thought enough of him to draft him in the seventh round, even though he was injured his, his senior year at Northwestern. And they kept him around and have groomed him since. I mean, again, I think you look at him as at most a year starter, maybe a month starter, maybe ten week starter, because I think that, you know, as bad as it sounds, Broncos fans at least can say, I think we have our franchise quarterback on the feet, on the roster, though. Yeah, it's just, it's fascinating because I, I've seen situations where you don't rush the, the, the first-round pick, but it, it's very rare is he replaced by a second-round year who second-year guy who's 24 years old and was a seventh-round pick, you know? I, I, does this say a lot about Lynch? I sort of think it doesn't. I just think they think he's not ready, but they're not alarmed by this, that he's not ready. No, and I don't think they should be either. I mean, the scouting report on Lynch was coming out of Memphis, you know, smaller school, didn't orchestrate a real pro-style offense, isn't advanced mentally. Not that he's dumb. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's just he just hasn't done a lot at the line of scrimmage. He's going to take time. I think everywhere, anyone that would have selected him thought, this guy's going to take some time. He's not an overnight starter. Ideally, you sit him for a year. So I think they knew that before they even selected him. Right, right. Interesting. Um, Jared Goff, I, I haven't seen him play. I've, I've heard a lot of things, and none of it's been good. And he's been – I know he's taken out two of the three games because he's got banged up, and that and that's a little scary. I mean, early thoughts on him is, is – well, like I said, nothing I've heard is good. Are you concerned about him? A lot. <laughs> a lot. And Number one thing. Again, it's not, let's not jump to conclusions. I mean, I liked him coming out of school. I don't think anybody was qualm. You know, nobody was saying, boy, this guy doesn't deserve to be a first-round pick. They're crazy. I mean, I don't think any of those things were the case. But he looks terrible. He looks like he's totally overwhelmed, but the speed of the game is way too much for him. The physicality of the game is way too much for him. He looks small and brittle in the pocket. You know, he's gotten injured a few times. He's not overwhelming physically. You know, you watch Hard Knocks and you see him walking around and think, he just kind of looks like a dude on the street. You know, like he doesn't look like a big strapping athlete like a Bortles or a Roethlisberger or someone like that. And we knew all those things, but I think he has zero chance of being the opening day starter and needs a ton of work. And, again, that doesn't mean he's a bum or a bust, but and nothing's been promising. You know, where you're watching Zach Prescott and, you know, a couple of the other young guys and at least say, okay, you know, Lynch in, in particular too. Like, okay, I, I see some things to get excited about. 
okay. Wentz as well, right? Not seeing that with Goff, and you know, watching Hard Knocks, you know, you hear the guys on the sidelines going, "Boy, that was a big time throw." Well, he better be doing that in practice, <laughs> and I don't think right. HBO is going to show us when they say, "Man, he's not even close to being right." Right. Have you seen? I know Goff. Uh, excuse me, Wentz has been banged up. With the little we see from him, do you like? Do you like? Do you see the promise there? With Wentz. Yeah. I think Wentz is way advanced mentally, and, you know, and I know that sounds weird because he comes from a tinier school. He comes from North Dakota. Yeah. Uh, but they ran a pro-style offense. He did a ton at the line of scrimmage, and I think he's ahead of him physically. You know, I mean, he's a much stronger, bigger guy, bigger arm. But when they came out of school, I thought they were pretty close to equal prospects, just very different prospects. Right. Well, let's remember what the uh... – Rams gave up for to get Goff as well. You know, they, they mortgaged the future pretty good in that trade with the Titans. And, and so I know it's early, but the concerns that you just told me you have are pretty legitimate concerns and concerns that don't seem to go away very easily. Yeah, I can't argue with that. And, again, he's, it's not like he's going to put on 20 pounds of muscle overnight or – you know, grow an inch, or and it, it, it's not that his arm's bad though. He throws the ball very well, um, but he's always been very good in the pocket. He's been good about navigating the pocket, understanding the offense, highly accurate. Maybe some Drew Brees-like qualities too. You know, light on his feet, and he's not showing any of those things. You know, we're not seeing we're seeing his negatives amplified, but we're not seeing his strengths at all. Okay, interesting, interesting. Moving to Dallas. Three weeks ago when I was at the Cowboys training camp, you told me that you thought Tony Romo was the most likely of all NFL starting quarterbacks not to play 16 games. And now, two and a half weeks later, when after you said it, that has become true. He has broken back. He has a bone, broken bone in his back. He's out six to eight, ten weeks. He missed 12 weeks last year. Are we at the end with him as far as a reliable NFL quarterback at the age of 36, has it just caught up to him? I think so. You know, I mean, I still think when he's out there, he's very good. I mean, I don't think this is career-ending. I don't think even if Prescott comes in and plays very well that this is his job. You know, I mean, unless by chance they're 6-1 or something. But still, I I can't envision that. I still think Romo's a top-10 NFL quarterback, but – and this is something I never, ever do that you hear people on the radio, but, you know, comparing civilians and me and you and people you know to to athletes, I mean, they're nothing like you and I. If you've been around athletes, right. you know that. I mean, I couldn't do what they did in right. a million bazillion years. But people with back problems always have back problems. It's not like they go away. Right. Yeah. Too bad. What a fascinating career he's had from start to finish. And, 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 and not saying it's finished, but start to this point. And it's, it's pretty tough. Dak Prescott, okay, he started. He's, he's been a star. I, I saw a stat where he has his passer games one thirty-seven point eight in three preseason games. It's the highest preseason passes rating since two thousand. Can that translate to the regular season? Not to that degree. You know, I mean, he doesn't face a defense that's game planned against him. Certainly is couldn't be in a he certainly is in a very very favorable situation though I mean any elite offensive line, line. Uh, you know Des Bryant is a superstar 
Witten is a trustworthy veteran and is going to provide advice. So he's really, and of course, Elliot looks fantastic. So he's in a very good situation. I think he'll be okay. I mean, I'm super impressed with him in the preseason. I just don't know. I'm not willing to stake my reputation on he's the guy. You know, they found their guy. I mean, everything's wonderful after watching three very impressive. Because it's never this easy, right? It just never happens this easy. Right, right. I mean, how many times in history has that happened? But, you know, I mean, sometimes there is a theory and there is some logic to sometimes you can just tell right away. You know, a guy gets to camp, he looks good, and wonderful. You know, like the Dak Prescott versus Jared Goff argument is, I mean, (laughs) night and day kind of, of how they performed with pads on in the NFL. Their, Their NFL careers to this point couldn't be any more different. You know, there is some logic to boy, he, he stood out right away, he's a guy, we trust him, and let's go. And Goff doesn't share that at all. Right. Um, Elliot, could, you know, what we saw from him this last game, he was physical, and he was he was a tough guy, man. Talking about yards after contact. Um, him and Prescott, I mean, Cowboy fans have something to be excited about for the future, don't they? Absolutely. I mean, especially yeah. Elliot. I mean, he's fourth in yeah. the draft. I think he'll be one of the best running backs in the league right now. He looked good in his performance. Obviously, like I said, his line is going to help him a lot. Uh, highly accomplished in the passing game. I think, you know, as a, you know, this is sort of a fantasy note, but I think Romo being out might increase Elliot's receptions. You know, let's just dump it to Zeke. I mean, just to have that in your back pocket um, as – a rookie quarterback as a good outlet receiver that makes yards on his own is wonderful. Right. Interesting. So fantasy alert, extra bonus points from the no relation NFL podcast with Matt Bill <laughs> Williamson. Before we kind of transition away from quarterbacks, um, I want to talk about one young quarterback and I want to talk about two veteran quarterbacks that may be the veterans may be struggling a little bit at the preseason of any indication, but Marcus Mariota, I know you mentioned him a little bit last week. He's had a really good preseason, hasn't he? I mean, any questions about him and his style coming out of Oregon have been answered. I mean, he's going to be a plus player, isn't he? Absolutely. And I almost feel like you can't mention him without mentioning Winston, too. You know, Winston looks much leaner, much better shape. I think the two. I have no doubt about these two guys. You know, I have. Uh, I like Carr. I like Bortles, and I think the four of them. You mentioned. You notice I didn't mention Bridgewater. Are the quarterbacks of the future? But I feel stronger about Mariota and Winston than I even do Bortles and Carr. I mean, every time you see them, they're more impressive. That they want more. I mean, he's a very good athlete, but he's so much more than that. I mean, he is a great passer, designing the offense around him. You know, he came from that Chip Kelly-style Oregon offense and is running this, quote, exotic smash-mouth, run-heavy scheme, and he hasn't missed a beat. You know, I mean, he's been phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, at least in my mind, I thought that Winston, and Winston probably had the better rookie year, right? I, I think that's pretty clear. Yeah, he's close. So I think there's more questions about Mariota, but he's just, he's just answering them. There's not a concern about him. Yeah, I very much believe both those players are absolutely the real deal and will be big-time stars in this league for as long as they stay healthy or until their retirement. 
I've heard and read some things, and I know Eli Manning hasn't played well, and Matt Ryan maybe. Are you worried about those guys kind of on the slide, those two? A little. I mean, new head coach in New York, second-year coach in Atlanta. The first year didn't go wonderful for Ryan either. Um, the Giants' offense has been really hard to watch, uh, although I will say the last couple of years of preseason has been very – not so great for the Giants either. And then and when the regular season rolls around, they're much better. So what we don't know, and, and I, I, can't, I haven't studied the tape nearly hard enough to know this, but what are they trying to do? Are they just out there running plays and trying to you know, get some concepts on the field or, you know, and they're saving the good stuff kind of for, for the regular season? Because that's kind of how the last seasons have gone. Is the passing game has been very good with the McAdoo-Manning connection no matter what's happened, as long as Odell's there, but it, when the regular season hits. But the preseason's been nasty. So I don't know. I'm certainly concerned that with both guys. I mean, I think they're proven enough that they're not going to flop, but it hasn't been pretty. You know, Matt Ryan, what kind of – how do we define his career to this point? Maybe disappointment? Maybe a little. You know, I, I didn't think he played wonderful last year, but I also thought he took too much heat for the offense, the passing game as a whole. The running game fell apart at the end of the year. They really had nobody else to throw to besides Julio. Um, my knock on Ryan is because the, the, the greatness, you know, his best plays, his highlight reel doesn't blow you away that he needs to be a little more of a protector of the football. And, you know, we saw it last week, he a bad interception. You know, he has five to ten interceptions, or every other week during the season he throws one that just makes you sick. You, you can't make that – you can't throw that ball anymore. I mean, you're not a rookie. You know, you're, you're, you're not Brett Favre. It's not like you just made ten head, you know, stand-on-your-head plays or throws that nobody else can make. You know, I look at him and I think – He's in that ninth to twelfth quarterback overall. Still a franchise guy. You know the Browns would have killed to have him the last five years. But I don't know that he'll ever be a top-notch guy. I mean, is that worth a top five pick overall? Probably. You know, I mean, you could do a lot worse. Probably. But, and and in how realistic this thing is, probably. But he just. I mean. This may be very simple, but is he closer to Jay Cutler than he is Aaron Rodgers? Yes, but yeah. that's also re because I love Rodgers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think right. people are too low on Cutler, too. You know, yeah. like Cutler, Cutler is what he is. Cutler, to me, is a franchise quarterback. You know, if he was surrounded with the right people, they could win a ton of games. You know, I think he's a good quarterback. Nobody wants to say that. I think he's in a truly average starting quarterback, that he's – 15th or 16th out of 32. That doesn't mean he's terrible. You know, being yeah. average as in a group of 32 at a very, very hard position doesn't mean Cutler's a bum and we can't ever win anything with him. But I think Ryan is nearing that same conversation at this stage of his career. i got to tell you something about Jay Cutler. I was around him his first three years. I know he has a reputation as being kind of a soaker, and, you know, I think that's kind of helped make that reputation because he's in Chicago and things, bigger market. You know, here's the book on Cutler those first three years. Yeah, he wasn't great to deal with for the local media. He, he wasn't a jerk. He wasn't fun. But he was a dang good young quarterback. And 
that whole Shanahan McDaniels thing, that really shaped his career. I, I really think that if Shanahan would have stayed in Denver and they had all those young players that, you know, Brandon Marshall and Shanahan was able to kind of handle Marshall, things may have been different from for all of those guys' careers. That I think that's an underrated history change that people don't go back to that Jay Cutler was a really a pretty dang good quarterback for his first three years in the NFL. Yeah, and imagine him on the Broncos right now. I mean, they'd probably be the best team in the league. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if he stays in, if he stays in Denver, I don't know if Peyton Manning ever goes to Denver, so that history changed. Yeah. And maybe John Elway doesn't go to Denver because of, you know, I mean, Shanahan would be king in Denver, you know, I mean, he'd be like 20 years, 22 years, but you know what I mean? But who knows? But it, that change certainly affected Jay Cutler's career. Yeah, I mean, I think, you're, you know, the point you're kind of making here is you could do a heck of a lot worse than the combination of Jay Cutler from his rookie year till now with Shanahan for 12 years or whatever. I mean, that combination yeah. could have won a lot of games in the NFL together. He would, he would, be, he would be, if he was with Shanahan his entire career in Denver, his, he would be considered a different player. His reputation would be different. I, I'm, I'm sure of that. Yeah, I mean, he'd never be Elway, but he could be, you know, a, a ring of fame type of guy in Denver and a crowd favorite yeah. and everyone's wearing Cutler yeah. jerseys. I, I think so. Um, kind of shifting away from quarterback talk, I think it's been really good quarterback talk. And the No Relation NFL podcast is Matt and Bill Williamson. Uh, what do you think of Melvin Gordon? I know that he was one of many you know, young running backs that you're not high on, but you kind of were high on him early in the preseason. It looks like he's continuing to play well. I think he's playing very well. And you got to remember, too, I mean, he had microfracture surgery over the offseason. So I did not like him that much coming in the league. I thought he was more of a second-round back than certainly a first-round guy uh, that he needed to find space to, to work with, and he had a lot of big holes at Wisconsin. But he's very impressive to me. I think he's much better in year two. It makes you wonder that maybe that surgery did him a lot of good. You know, who knows what condition he was playing at at the end of his at the end of his rookie year. Um, that offensive line was really really banged up. So I think you know I, I, I'm changing my tune on him. And honestly, I think I was right then, and I think I'm right now that I think he's better now. You know, guys change, and I think he's putting the work in, and I think he's going to be a productive lead back. Wow, and and you wouldn't. Have- you would have thought yourself was crazy if you said that six months ago, right? You were not yeah, expecting that. Never that. would have came out of my mouth six months ago. Wow, wow. Hey, a little news. I'm kind of keeping my eye on Twitter. I know Jamie's doing a great job of that as well. Um, for any Bridgewater news, it looks like there's going to be a press conference uh, in a couple of hours. So I don't know if any news is from that front is going to leak out in between. So Matt, Ladarius Green went to the pup list. So that's at least six weeks in Pittsburgh. Is that going to do they kind of expect that? You know, I mean, I mean, he hasn't played all preseason. Probably weren't going to think. I mean, how does that change the offense for the six weeks at least? Or, you know, he may be out longer. Or do you think the Steelers just kind of said, oh, well, they've resigned themselves to not playing for him, with him for a while? Well, I mean, I think that they uncharacteristically went out and spent money on another team's free agent to bring him in. They had big plans that I thought he was going to help with the verticality and the size problems that they lose with Martavis Bryant. 
I think they were changing what they do at the tight end position. I mean, basically my whole lifetime here, they've had Mark Bruner, Heath Miller type guys, you know, not field stretchers. So I think they have to scrap that to some degree. But I'm sure that's what they've been doing these last couple weeks, though, too, is, you know, we're probably not going to have them. So this isn't a shock of the news that he's going on the list. Um, but I think it really re- makes them reroute, you know, what they wanted to do with, when they started their plan in the offseason. Right. And the Steelers just don't spend money, so that, that has to be a bummer for them and maybe a, a lesson to them that maybe we're just not going to spend money because it's just, you know, this is, this is not how we get better. And the bummer is, too, is, hey, if we would have known these things, we would have went out and signed a corner or gave money to – Beecham or McClendon or somebody that went to another team. I mean, not only we, we, we have not made this move, but we would have drafted a tight end or, you know, we'd have given this money to somebody else. Right. Yeah, good point, good point. Um, I want to talk about one more offensive topic for hit defense a little bit. Um, Nick Martin in, went down in Houston. I mean, if there's a question about the Texans, it's really the offensive line is, is shaky, isn't it? really worries me. You know, I mean, so far, Osweiler has very much exceeded my expectations, which were pretty low. But uh, what I've said about Osweiler all along is he's more talented than one O'Brien's worked with thus far, and I really, really trust O'Brien. I I don't think he's going to be close to the money, but they know that too, and they've surrounded him with a wealth of weapons, new speed. Um, And Fuller looks great. Miller's playing with the, the slot as the number one slot guy. Strong looks better. So I really like that cast of characters, but I've said many times that Dwayne Brown didn't play very well and then got injured and still isn't recovered. He isn't what he used to be. Right tackle's never been a strong area. They lost Jones and Brooks on the interior, replaced Jones with Martin as kind of a plug-and-play starter and brothers in the league, and, and now that's not happening. I don't know where the strengths are on the offensive line. I, I think it's one of the weakest units in the league. Wow. I mean, and that could be a difference between, cause, you know, there are weapons on the offense, and the defense I think is really strong, especially with Watt apparently coming back soon. I mean, this could be a difference between 12 wins and 10 or 9, right? Yeah, or 7 or 8. Yeah, I mean, I, wow. I, I could see that. Um, your point on the defense is good, though, too. I mean, the news lately is he's ready for week one, Watt. Uh, assuming that's true, they might have a better defense than Denver. I mean, I, I think Houston has a chance to be an elite def- defense this year, and I think Clowney's going to be a superstar. I think Houston go a long way. I really do. I think there's some really strong pieces there. And if Osweiler can just do what he did in Denver and get a little better, I mean, I, I like what they – and I think their head coach is a little underrated. I think that's yeah, the, that, that gonna, the real sticking point here is I think O'Brien really knows what he's doing. Uh, really can get maximized. I mean, remember what he did with Schaub at the end of his career and Hoyer, and he played guys like Savage and Yates. And I mean, I think over the past two years, he started four different quarterbacks both seasons and went to the playoffs last year, and I think he won eight or nine games the year before. Yeah, yeah, he's a uh, rising star. Um, on defense a little bit, I- I've been wanting to talk about this for a few weeks. I know that... Um, the defensive coordinator, uh, Gunther, in Cincinnati said that he, a couple weeks ago, he, I think Geno Atkins is, is on the rise. And I think Geno Atkins is a football aficionado's 
we appreciate a guy like him. I don't know if he gets a, enough national attention, but can this guy actually be getting better? I mean, he's a he, he's a stud. He's a football player, football player. Yeah, I think he's a top ten defensive player in the league. Very similar to Aaron Donald. He's absolutely the straw that stirs the drink on that defense. You know, whenever he was out with his knee injury and whenever he was coming back from it, I, I don't think he was 100%. I think he played a lot of games, you know, a, a, in recovery more or less. Their pass rush was very poor. The defense wasn't close to as good as it is with him. Um, I think he's an absolute phenomenal player. And I, I don't know that he's getting better. He's certainly getting better than he was the last couple of years. I think he's just finally healthy. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he's a... Top ten player. I mean, there you have it. What a stud! And he, I don't think he gets enough credit. Um, there's, you know, some gifs and, and preseason video flying around of Vic Beasley. I think he was the number eight overall pick last year. I know he's very high in Atlanta. I mean, that spin move that he had against Miami was just like rudimentary. It was, it was like three-star high school pass rusher stuff. Uh, this guy don't have it. It's, is he just not going to be a good NFL player? Well, the, the book on Beasley was he lit up the combine, I mean, like a 42-inch vertical or something crazy. He ran in the 4-4s. I mean, in that neighborhood. I don't remember the numbers. You know, he's an undersized edge rusher, outside linebacker, with phenomenal explosion and athletic ability. Watching him in school, he got a lot of his snap, or a lot of his sacks because – he was so good off the ball, either uh, you know, guessing snap counts or anticipating snap counts or just his initial explosion that people at that level couldn't keep up with him. So you knew that he had to develop more. You know, he, you're not just going to – nobody wins with speed over and over in the NFL. You just can't run past offensive tackles at this right. level. It just doesn't happen. So right. I think he's a work in progress. And what's kind of weird – and I guess it depends how they use him during the regular season. But this offseason, he, he's now listed as an outside linebacker instead of a defensive end, which I don't understand. I mean, I think he has to be a hand-in-the-ground, go-get-the-quarterback guy at, over and over and over and just work on his pass-rushing repertoire as opposed to, well, then let's turn you into Bruce Irvin and drop you into his coverage and have you line up over tight ends and run with them. Uh, to me, that's misusing him. Yeah, you know, I always thought like, if I was an owner of an NFL team and I would let my GM be my GM, but there's two things I wouldn't let him do. I wouldn't let him draft anybody high with character concerns, major character concerns. It just never works out. And you, you, your team's just going to be in the news for, the bad, re for bad reasons. And undersized pass pressure. They, they just, the great pass rushers are monsters. They're athletic freaks. And you know, if you're undersized, that just means you're you're not an athletic freak. You're just athletic, but you're not. You don't have the freak part, which is the size, to go with the athleticism, and it just doesn't work. I mean, it might no, be an overdramatic here, but I just I just seen too many of those type of guys, the Jarvis Moss type of guys, just fail. Yeah, I was just thinking of Marquez Mingo. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. got traded to the Patriots because he's done yeah. nothing but but the Browns and. There's a lot of them. I mean, you can. Yes, the game's becoming more athleticism driven, but it's still a big man's game. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you got a 320-pound grown man 
with two kids at home that's been doing this for eight years, playing left tackle that's in charge of blocking you, you can't be finessing him. Right. Yeah, I mean, look at look at Watt, look at Miller, look at Mack. These guys are monster-built guys. Yeah. They're just not fat, you know. They're 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 just monsters. And, and even you a guy know, like Vaughn Miller, like he doesn't look like J.J. Watt, obviously, but he's very very strong. I mean, when he strikes yeah. you with his hands, and he converts that speed into power. You know, great pass rushers. They can convert speed to power. I mean, Miller's a very explosive, powerful player, even though he doesn't look like, you know, James Harrison. Right, right. But, I mean, yeah, he's certainly strong. You, you know, you don't say, hey, man, that guy needs to go put on a few pounds. No, not at all. Yeah. You seen anything out of Josh Norman so far? I know we're hearing a lot from Josh Norman, but have you seen anything? I mean, do you think that's going to be a good thing for him and the Redskins? I do. I can't say I've watched him a whole lot in the preseason or have any analysis of how he's looked in a Redskins uniform, but that defense played a very, very high percentage of zone last year, and that's what he does. You know, So if you ask him to be Deion Sanders, Patrick Peterson, Darrell Revis, and play bump-and-run coverage against, you know, Jerry Rice and Calvin Johnson or whoever the number one is on the other side, I don't think he would be a great corner. I mean, I think he can do some of that, and I think he can shadow great players, but he's best as a zone coverage player, breaking on the ball, being big, playing the ball in the air, and I think that's what Washington's going to have him do. You know, whenever Carolina released him and, you know, there was like eight teams all of a sudden were interested, as you would know, I mean, obviously, uh, it worried me that he could be misused much like Namdi Asamoah. You know, I mean, you're, you saw Namdi, I'm sure, with the Raiders. Yep. You put him in the wrong scheme, he gets exposed. Quickly, immediately, and his career was over. I mean, it was amazing. That was crazy. Yeah. The team didn't go after him at all when he was on the Raiders. And then all of a sudden he goes to Philadelphia, huge money, and he just is like below average. Immediately. I remember that I was reading the Football Outsider stuff about him before he hit free agency, before he went to Philadelphia. And they would say things like, he got targeted 30 times all year. <laughs> you know, like twice right. a game, maybe. Oh, yeah, I think, that was, I think that's a, uh, a high yeah. number. So I covered a lot of his games. And he used to talk about it all the time. I'm bored out there. I, you know, I got nothing so to do. Throw my way. Yeah. He was a fascinating player. But it just – so what's the, what's the book on a guy like that? What, his career, was he good or was he, he was just – he was good when he was in the right fit, huh? I mean, simple as that. Coaching's important, I think, is what you take out of this. You know, scheme yeah. and coaching and finding the right players' attributes to use, you know, either from a scouting perspective of don't bring me, you know, this is what we're looking for, go scout that type of player, find them, bring them in, or the coaches that, okay, you just gave me a bunch of strange ingredients that go together, I'm still going to make a good stew out of it. Right. Right. Uh, the Jets defense, I'm hearing a lot of good things about them. Um, do you think this could be a, a team to watch in the playoff race? Sort of. I like their defense. I like their head coach a lot. I was with Todd in Cleveland. Um, I think prior their safety is really stepping up and is going to be a really good player for them, former first-round pick. We know their defensive line is going to be dominant. 
Um, I w- I'm not sure if Revis is still great. I mean, I still think he's good. Can he? Is Revis Island still a thing? I don't know. Uh, I think that'll be something we learn very early this year. Because I and I say that to not because he's. It's just I don't love their, their other corners. And if he's not dominant, I could see their 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 coverage players getting exposed. And I'm not a Fitzpatrick believer. I, I don't like their offensive line. I don't like their quarterback. But sort of like we talked about with O'Brien, I think Chan Gailey absolutely, and he showed it last year, will get the most out of all those players. I think the Jets, they also have a much, much harder schedule this year than they did last year. They look to me like more of a six or seven type win team. Is that right? Interesting. Well, we're going to talk more about wins and losses next week as we head to the regular season, the no relation NFL podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson will be live in the regular season next week, and I'm excited about that. Um, so we're going to talk about our division predictions, each prediction, and we'll give our Super Bowl prediction, and maybe we'll give our uh, championship game predi- prediction as well. So, Matt, thanks for being with us. Thank all your listeners. Thanks, Jamie Eisner, our producer. And that is this week's No Relation NFL podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson.